0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We're starting the series On uh, the Word of God, as we look at the whole year, where I'm going to be preaching through the whole of the Bible. We're going to be breaking up the major events, and we're going to be leaning into things so that we can understand what's in the Word of God. We do live in a day and age of Bible poverty. We have seen it in churches. We've seen it in our own homes even. Maybe you've witnessed it in your own home, where there's a confusion of what truth is. There's a confusion of what it means to be a Bible-believing Christian, that there's a confusion that people say, I'm a Christian, but yet they talk and they act and they have beliefs and doctrines that actually are contrary to the Bible. That would be an issue. It's an issue because we live in a world that's constantly wanting to tell you what to believe, We live in a world that's constantly wanting to tell you what the Bible actually says and means. But instead of allowing other voices to do that, I think it's very important that we lean into the Word of God and we ask the Word of God what it means and then what it says. We say that's what it means it says. And then we say, Lord, help me to align my life with it. Amen? So we live in a day and age of Bible poverty, not that we don't have Bibles, but that we don't know or we are not familiar with what is in the Bible. And I believe over this year that God's going to transform many of your lives. As we lean in, as we begin to take steps into understanding what is in Scripture, as you begin to engage with it in your daily life, It's gonna transform you. It's gonna change your families. It's gonna change your mind. It's gonna change your marriages. It's gonna change your futures. It's gonna change how you would choose a future future spouse. It's gonna change how you see God. It's gonna change who you are from the inside out because it's the word of God and he, and it wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you through it. So today, I wanna lean into The intro of this series, and we're going to end our time with communion in just a moment. But I think what's even more important than even knowing what's in the Bible is understanding our view of the scripture. How do we approach it? And the desire of my heart is through this series and through this year is that we would know more of who God is. That we would understand him. There would be no confusion and what is truth and what is not truth. There will be no confusion about what it means to live a life that is being blessed by God because we have asked Him to allow ourselves and help us to align ourselves with the Word. I believe that at the end of this, that all of us will have a greater confidence, a greater excitement, a greater reverence towards the Word of God in our life. I believe that God wants to change our approach the scriptures. He wants to change our approach. He wants to remove the, 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 the drudgery or the legalism or the, oh, the effort and the work of the Bible of reading it to actually be something that is exciting. It's life-giving. It isn't, it isn't a have to, it's a I get to kind of vibe. Amen. God's word is what we base our whole life on. Now think about this. As Christians. His word is what our whole life is built on. There is no other book. There is no other idea. It's the word of God. We don't get our beliefs as Christians from anywhere else in the world. Anywhere. Except the Bible. It's where we find truth. Not, not, just, not just, it's not our truth. So when someone says, yes, but what is the, when I say, well, the Bible says this, yeah, but that's your truth. No, it's not my truth because I don't like some of the stuff in there either. It challenges me and I have to align my life with it. But it is the truth. There is no greater truth. The Bible, it is what God says about himself. It gives us our view of the world, our view of sin, our understanding of ourselves. God's plan for your life is in the Bible. The Bible. God's plan and purpose for your family is in the Bible. God's plan for your children, for their futures, for their spouses, for your grandchildren is in the Bible. God's purpose and plan for this church and his kingdom is where? It's in the Bible. It lays out the authority of the nations, lays out the authority of the church, of the home, of the family of father to children, mother to children. It's a big deal. And we wonder why things are suffering in our lives and in our churches at times. It's because we are unfamiliar with the Bible and how we approach it, we don't see it the way it really is. The Bible is the core of everything that we are as Christians. It's just not a, a, a manual or a relationship help book. It's just not doctrine. it is the book that gives me life. This is the book that inspires me. This is the book that guides me. This is the book that challenges me. And when I read the book and I see things in there that I don't see in myself, I say, Lord, give me your grace. Help me to to align my life. Heal me in these areas so I can live the blessing of this book. This is the book. The scriptures is the book that brings life and ends death. It is the greatest true story that's ever been told on the face of the planet. It's a story of rescue. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of restoration. It's a story of empowerment. It's a story that when you become a a son or a daughter of God, you were given purpose. You were given authority. You were given a spirit. You were given a task. You you were given hope. And you're given a light that shines and burns inside of you for you to shine before all men that you could point them to Jesus. That's a big deal. If you think that's a big deal, say amen. amen. It's a big deal, friends. And so I don't know how you see Scripture or when someone mentions it. A lot of times, that well, that's outdated or it's restrictive or it puts me in a box. It tells me what not to do. Some even see Scripture, well, it's, it's a noose around my, around my neck, around my life. Puts a damper on me. And maybe you don't think it can apply to where we are today and because you've believed a lie that says, oh, but that was for then. Maybe you think there are parts of it that you can, we can discard and we highlight the parts we like with the yellow and we highlight the parts, the parts we don't like with the black Sharpie. Maybe it's sentimental to you or you think it. All, that's all it is. Maybe it's just something you've, you've inherited from your grandparent. I don't know where you are, but what I do know is this, is that God is waiting for you in the pages of your Bible. That God is living and he is active and he wants to speak to us over this year and give us hope give us life, come alongside us. And when you mix the word of God with the redemption of Christ, with the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and as you read it, they, they merge in a way that's so powerful. It's the compass of our lives. So as we As I begin this series talking about how we approach the Word of God, I I brought with me today this leaflet. Excuse me, it's not a leaflet, it's a page from a French Bible from 1495. Now, this is pre Reformation days, and I know I shouldn't be using my bare hands. Don't scold me. But this is. A page from the, from a French Bible, it's a page from Ecclesiastes, and this is in 1495. So what's important you understand is that before, before the, the Reformation, what, one of the, the sparking passions and purposes of the Reformation is that unless you were clergy in the church, you could not read the Bible in your mother tongue. Only certain people could read it, and, and it was a propagated lie that if you were to try to read it, it would make you go insane. So as you can see, it was a pretty good control tactic, right? So they started printing the Bible. So those who would understand Latin, they would, they would use it and write it in the common language, and this one was pre Reformation, In other words, pre the time when the Bible was made available in the mother tongues. And so this is a really important, special document. And if I was to hand this document to you, and you were to pass it around, you would handle it with, with care. You'd probably handle it with more care than I am right now. And if I said, hey, can you, hey, make a paper airplane out of this and see how far we can throw this thing. Would you do it? No. Because it is an old document, and it is the Word of God, and it is very, very amazing that this, this existed. Also for you to understand that it was a crime punishable by death to have within your possession one page of a Bible in your common tongue. I stood in the place in, the, in, in London behind St. John's, or St. Paul's I believe is what it is to be, where they used to gather, they gathered all the, the things that were confiscated, the church did at the time, that were, that were not approved by them, and they piled them up and they burnt them in this one space. You can go there today where they used to do it. And the Word of God was, was held with reverence, and, and, and how, how, how you approach it has a lot to do with how you receive it and how you read it. And just like if I was to pass this page around of, 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 of the scriptures from 1495, you'd be very careful with it. You'd be in awe of it. You'd think it's really cool. You'd be like, I like it, the, the content of it. Wow, this is really cool. We have a, a French major, Amory, who's on our, on our staff, and so I took this to her i 'm like, Amory, can you read this?" And so she was trying to read it because it 's got the weird old old fonts and, and and as she started to read some of it, just pronouncing it, it was just beautiful. It was like it 's just French, and, and it's just i 'm in awe of the Word of God that has sustained us and been with us for over two thousand years as far as the New Testament. But what we have in the old, or which is really not the old, it is, it is part of the, the word of God, is this incredible story that's remained with us. And this, this sits in my, in, in, in my office in a box, it's special to me. But the reality is this, what we hold in our hands every day What we hold in our hands that we can read and and the word of God that can speak to us should be more valuable. We should handle it with more care than what you would with an old piece of the Bible that you can't even read and understand. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Charles Spurgeon also said this. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't. It's a great line, in not it? If you think about it, you actually, you will approach the scriptures and treat them with really how you see them. If you think they're irrelevant, that's how you approach them. If you think they're, oh, they're okay, that's how you approach them. It's not really even what we say about the Bible. Because probably a lot of people would say good things. Oh, no, yes, it's the truth, and yes, it's great, and yes, it's important, and yes, yes, yes. But it's really our belief. How does does what we say about the Word of God really align with how we treat it? So in this series, we're asking God to ignite our hearts for his word. Ignite our hearts for his purposes. Ignite our hearts for his His word and the truth and and the adventures and the life and the benefits of his word that we're going to find. We're asking God to give us a new sense of awe, to see this as a window in engaging with the creator of the universe who's written you a letter To see this book as as we look at the mysteries in there, as 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 we engage with it, as we discover, as we understand that it would lift our spirits and call us to a new place in a world that desperately needs the church to be called to that place. The Apostle Paul was writing to a young pastor. This is our passage today. He's writing to a young pastor and he mentored and he took time to tell him about the importance of the Bible. But before we read it, I, I want to talk about the Apostle Paul because it's really important that we understand. We hear about Paul a lot, we hear about the letters he wrote, we hear about the life he lived. But Paul has quite a story. He grew up in a Jewish faith, he graduated from one of the most prestigious Jewish schools. It'd be like Harvard or Princeton, but he became, he became a leader in a Jewish faith, and he was convinced. Now, think about this. The apostle Paul was convinced this whole Jesus thing was a hoax, and it was blasphemy. So his mission, Paul's mission, was to annihilate, eradicate the story of Of this person called Jesus who so-called resurrected. And that's what he did. So Paul arrested Christians. He killed Christians. He hunted Christians down like dogs. And beat them to death with stones until they died. He didn't like Christians. And one day, Paul was on his way to another place, to another town, to find more Christians to arrest and hunt down. And Paul, this this killer of Christians, met the resurrected Jesus. Jesus appeared to him, pow, right there. And Jesus arrested his life. And the killer of Christians, Paul, went from being the the persecutor of the church to the propagator of the church. He met the resurrected Jesus and he went from pursuing those who were proclaiming the gospel to kill them, he went from doing that to now, he went from that to being pursued because he was proclaiming the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. It changed his life forever. And this man, Paul, ended up writing the majority of the New Testament that we have today. So it's important we understand as we lean into these things and the backstory and, and, and who this person was. And so Paul in this passage, which we're about to read, after he'd been planting churches and preaching the gospel and being beat up, he, this was at the end of his life, he'd been chased out of towns, he'd been beat half to death he'd almost drowned he had crawled up on the on the beaches of of, of Macedonia I, I mean I it, it's just all, all kinds of this this stuff and he did it all for the gospel and he's writing this letter to this young pastor that he's been investing in for many years Timothy. Timothy was really Paul's protégé. He was, he was, Paul, Paul loved him. You can tell by the, the letters we have. And he's been raising Timothy to do the same thing that he was doing. Growing the church. Expanding the church. Preaching good doctrine. Helping within church life. Life. Helping with church discipline when needed. Helping with church benevolence when needed. He had been doing this with Timothy and just continued to do this. And so Paul is writing this this passage or the letter we're about to read at the end of his life. In a prison in Rome, writing to this young pastor. He knows his days are numbered. He's he's pouring out his heart to this young man, Timothy. Timothy. Probably Timothy had some insecurity issues. Paul was always trying to encourage him. Come on, come on. God has given you the spirit of fear, of power, and love, and a sound mind. And he probably had an anxious stomach. He's like, hey, have a little bit of wine. Chill out a bit for your stomach. Telling, telling Timothy, listen, I, I, I know you feel intimidated around older Christians, but don't let them look down on you because of your age. Don't do that, son. I believe in you. You're called to do this. So Paul's days are numbered and he's saying, Timothy, this is what I've learned. And this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. This is what I know. And this is what you're going to need to know to run this race that you are running right now, Timothy. This is what you're going to need to know to finish well. And so listen, this is what we're going to need to know. If we're going to run the race that God's called us to run. If we're going to finish well, Paul's writing, this is what we need to know. Paul's saying this, I'm coming to the end of my race, son. But I want you to know what got me here. I'm about to tell you. Friends, as we step into this new year, as you step into this new time, this is what we need to know to run our, to run our race well. This is what you need to know to be what God's called you to be. This is what you need to know. That come hell or high water, you're gonna, you are going to make it because you're about to hear something you need to know that's going to sustain you. And so Paul writes, Timothy, he says, Timothy, 2 Timothy verse 3, verse 14, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how, now look at this, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What are the sacred writings? He's talking about the word of God, which are able to make you, look at this, wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, just pause here for a moment. Paul is talking to Timothy. Paul is reminding Timothy that some, hey, hey Timothy, something's been in your life from a young age. Hey, Timothy, something, you've been familiar with something from when you were young. Since birth, Timothy, Timothy, What was he talking about? Timothy had grown up with scripture as a part of his life. Over these next, over this next year, moms and dads, you're gonna have the opportunity to spend time with your children or with each other if you don't have children, but particularly for this context with your children and read a scripture, have a few questions we're going to have for you, talk about them, pray, and what you're going to do over this year is you're going, you're going to instill what Paul's talking about, what was instilled into Timothy. Your children are going to grow up with a value of the Word of God. And I remember when we used to do that, whether it's three five times a week, this isn't going to be about legalism, this is about, this is about instilling into your children the Word of God matters. Teaching them to think about it. You growing with them over this year. You leading them. You, you, you putting something in them that says, no, 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 the word of God matters. So when they come home to you and they say, hey, my teacher said this about sexuality. My teacher said this about what real justice is. My teacher said this about, about abortion. My teacher said this about whatever. You can say, yeah, it's interesting. How does that align with the word of God? You, can ask them, you may ask them that now, but if you have not instilled in them the value that actually the word of God is a part of their life and a part of their, of their world, that if, if you have not instilled that, they're just going to say, well, teachers are always right, right? But when you, when you instill the word of God in them, all of a sudden they go, you know, I was thinking about that. Because I remember the passage that says this and says that. And so so much because we've been inundated so much friends with the word of God, we have Bibles on on every shelf, we have Bibles on our phone, we have Bibles we, Listen, we bury Bibles in the foundations of homes when we build them. That's how many Bibles we have. We just we just plunk them in cement. That's funny. Actually, when you think about it. I've never thought about that until right now. Talk about, talk about a surplus of Bibles. We bury them in lands and we, we shove them in, in walls. And Listen, we got enough Bibles. But what about what's inside of it? And so when you become familiar with Scripture so much, you lose the specialness of it. You become too familiar with it. You can lose the awe of Scripture. You can lose, just like how you would handle this, we don't really do that with scriptures. And I'm not talking about some religious thing where you can't, you know, you have your Bible and, and you know, if you set it on a, on a rail, we don't set it up there, it's the word of God and you can't set it on the floor. because You know, you don't do that. And I'm not talking about that religious stuff. I'm talking about how we approach it, how we see it, how we view it. And we can become so familiar that it, it's something we do in our leisure time. Just like we watch TV. Or read a, read a, a blog or, or get on social and, ah, oh, just gonna just going to veg in the Bible for a second. We forget of really what it is. And I believe this is what Paul rem- is reminding Timothy of in this passage. Timothy had grown up with it. He had been around it. And Paul's saying, listen, son, don't you take this for granted. Don't you do this. This is what sustained me. While I'm in the stinky prison in Rome, guess what I'm doing? I am still doing what the Word of God has told me to do. I am still writing letters to you. I am still telling you what Jesus told me when he arrested my life and knocked me off of my my horse and blinded me and taught me for for three years. And I'm telling you all of this. This matters, Timothy. Timothy. And your family instilled that in you. Don't you forget it, son. Because then he goes on to say this. All scripture. Everybody say all scripture. All scripture. Is breathed out by God. I look, look at that for a second. Don't, don't pass over that. Breathed out by God. Listen, this is not some, some man who penned. God used the man because God never does anything alone. He always invites us to do things with him. But this is God-breathed. And it's just not words on a page. No, 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 hang on, hang on. This is profitable for teaching. This is, in other words, profitable. In other words, you will profit if you receive the teaching... And for a, for a teacher to, to teach it, people will profit if you teach it correctly. It's profitable for reproof, for correction, for training. In righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. What Paul is saying is you cannot be equipped for the life that God has for you unless you are familiar, unless you are in, unless this is a part of your life, the word of God. And it is God's breath. What was it that gave Adam life in the garden? After God formed him, put him together with, out of dirt, he did, what did he do next? He breathed. He gave him life. What God is saying through Paul is these words on this page were breathed by God to be breathed in by us so that we could have life. We can move from an insignificant nominal world or or nominal life that takes all of our cues from people who think they know everything. And it brings us into a life that's full of hope and full of life and full of joy. It's full of God's truth flowing through us, it's not religious. And once you realize that these words were breathed by God this is what happens we approach them differently we handle them differently we come with awe and wonder and revelation as we as we open our hearts to what God wants to say to us today we don't approach them as arrogant like oh i know what's in it already We don't approach it when we read something to to say, well, I already know what that means. I don't need to know. No, we approach them with an open and teachable and humble heart. The Lord, as I come to your word, may you encourage me today. May you show me who you are today. May May you give me direction for my life today. And Holy Spirit, may you contextually use this in my life today. It's what sustains us. It is our source of life. We cling to it. As if it it was the the most precious thing. It is God's breath on a page. God exhaled. And now we can receive it in our life. It's the most valuable thing that we have on this earth. It's not the result of a printing press. It's the result of God exhaling and giving us the word of God for his children. The word of God, it pulls the curtains back of our hearts. It guides us. It leads us. It exposes our brokenness and our pain and our sin and our baggage. Not to exploit us. Not to be the religious long-fingered preacher or pastor or priest that makes you feel bad. No, no, no. It does that so that we can recognize we actually need healing. And at the same time, it exposes our need. It offers us our solution so that we can step forward out of all of the brokenness in our life. It helps us to see ourselves from who we really are, not from whom the enemy says that I am. This The Word of God draws lines in the sand that because of our sin, we can't draw ourselves And so how do we approach the word of God? How do we approach scriptures to receive the blessing of God? Number one, we stand in awe of his word. These words, it's not just words on a page, it's breath. God's breath on a page is to be reverent, revered, honored, cared for. It contains the words of life, friends. Some people say, no, no, I just, me and Jesus, I know the Bibles, but it's just me and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Well, but this is what God's given us. There were some leaders one day, they they were talking with Jesus, and Jesus says this out of John 5, 39. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But hang on, fellas. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So if you want to know me more, just get familiar with the scriptures. Number two, how do we approach it to receive the benefit of God? We kneel in submission to his word. This word submission, it doesn't really go go over very well in our society. But let let me redefine that to you. Submission isn't a power move. It is allow yourself. If you were to submit under God, you know what you're saying? You are allowing yourself to be protected by Him. Amen. And all the weddings I do, a lot of times we use Ephesians 5, and it talks about how husbands, you love your wives as Christ loved the church, and lay down, and then it says, and wives submit to your husbands. Now that, that feels harsh. You're like, what? To understand the word as wives, just allow your husband to protect you. That's all. Just, just allow him to protect you as his role in the home. That's what that means, anneal and submission. Allow the word of God. Have it in your life. Ask God to help you to obey it. Change your heart. He does it all. Doesn't mean it's easy, we're going to wrestle with it at times, but we we approach it as the ultimate authority. Doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean it's, oh yeah, great, I'm perfect. No, 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 it means actually the word of God tells us we're not and we desperately need him. But as we kneel in submission to his word, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Will obey my teaching. What, where do we get Jesus' teachings from? Tell me. The Bible. And so he says, Come on, come, come in, read my word. And the last one is this we walk in illumination of his word. We walk in illumination. Psalm 119, 105 Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. We get so many messages every day on how we should live our lives. We try to, and those messages try to influence the path of our lives, the direction of our lives, the content of our heart, everything. Every situation we walk through, we can say, hey, what does the word of God say? What, what, what did Paul say? What would Jesus have done? What attitude did Jesus say I needed as we walk out this life? And this is the incredible opportunity that we have this year. This, if you will engage with Scripture this year on a regular basis, this is the year that your life changes. This is the year that generations in your family change. This is the year the contention within your marriage dissolves. This is the year that those things in your life you just seem to just you seem to, seem to fall and stumble over them every all the time, and you're like, Lord, why? If you will, if you will commit to engaging with the word of God, not out of religion, not out of not out of legalism, but three to five times a week. Your life's going to change. And your family's going to change. And your future's going to change. Even even your vocation may change. You're going to see people differently. Your heart's going to be softened. And you're going to begin to hear the secrets of God. As he shares with you about his plan for your life. His heart for you. His intention for you. You're going to begin to hear about God's purpose for your family, for you at your workplace, for you at Starbucks, for you in the, at, at King Supers, Whatever you do, you're going to begin to hear. And in moments, the Holy Spirit's going to recall Scripture that's going to apply to certain things. You're going to look at people that normally, you were like, oh, they're filthy sinners. Why would they choose that lifestyle? How dare them? They're evil. And you're going to go, God loves you. You're going to begin to see people through his eyes and understand his purpose for us as a church and for us as individuals. Friends, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be life-changing. And I'm excited to go on this journey with you. Amen. If we can, let's stand today. We're going to close our time by taking communion. And the scripture says that when you take communion, you need to consider what's going on in your heart. If there's anything in your heart that you have been, you know you've been rebelling against God, you know that you have been running from Him, you know that you've been, and you just know it. Scripture says that you would confess that just right where you are today. And then we come and take communion. So if we can, as we close this understanding of the Word of God, we also understand that He commands us to take communion together. So if we can, let me pray, and then let's come and receive communion Come and grab it. Go back to your seats and I will lead us in communion. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we close this time with recognizing that we want you the center of our lives. Lord, if there's any area in our life that is off, keltered, or not right, we just ask you right now just as I surrender these things, Lord, just remove them. Just cleanse me from my brokenness and habits, my ways of thinking that weren't of you, the damage it's done. Lord, just cleanse me. And then, Lord, give me the grace to make things right. But right now, I want to make things right with you. Lord, I love you. And I'm grateful for your grace in my life. So, Lord, we come to this table as your family, not as as individuals, just individuals, but as a family we are your family and so we come recognizing that one another matters and so lord as we step out may we approach this table with reverence with all understanding what we're about to do and that is to take of the bread and eat to take of the wine and drink to remember what you've done for us in jesus name Amen. If we can, we can make our way out and grab your, um, grab your, your little container. There's a, a tab on top you can pull off. And there's some back there as well and along this aisle. Nothing but the blood. Christ has made available to us. You think today of the wounds on Jesus, on his head, on his hands, and his feet, and his side, we remember that the crown that wounded his head is a great connection to know that in Christ, my mind needed to be made new, and he made a way. The wounds on his hands is a reminder to us today that in Christ, he made it possible that I wouldn't be a slave to sin and what my hands do. That I, that can be broken. And now my hands can be used for his purposes. And his blood made that possible. The wounds in his feet, that where I would go and do my own thing, as Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. But now, because of the work of Christ, when I come to him, my feet can remain where they should be, aligned with him. And I would go wherever he tells me. As he was pierced in the side around his heart, we recognize today that what this represents, that he's given me a new heart. I'm no longer a slave to the heart of stone. He's given me a heart of flesh. In Christ, we are transformed. So today, we have our wafer. This represents his body that was beaten and broken and was placed upon him, the iniquity and the sin of us all. He bore it within his body. And so let's eat today. Juice represents the blood that wasn't spilt accidentally. It was poured out for many. That the blood of Christ was poured out for many, not just to forgive us, but as Revelation says, to make us kings and priests. And his blood poured for you as the ultimate sacrifice so that you would not suffer for your sins that in Christ, he took the punishment that you deserved. So we drink today. Lord, we recognize today that you are speaking to us. And Lord, we are so grateful that you believe in us enough to invite us deeper into your life. That you have made a way. And so today we choose to walk in it. And so Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. We thank you that the word of God was made flesh. And that flesh bore our freedom and paid for our freedom and bore our sin so today we rejoice we celebrate god i pray today that you would bless your people as we leave from here may you lift our expectations for what you have for us this year if you can right where you are can you just lift your hands to the lord and i'd be honored to pray a blessing over you today father in jesus name i pray that you would bless your people that you would strengthen them you would encourage them That, Lord, that you would give them hope and life. And Jesus, right now in Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of hopelessness and depression. That, Lord, today we would walk in your joy. That, God, today we would have your heart. That today we would align our lives, not with the work that you call us to do, but with the love that you have for us so that we can, by your grace, do what you called us to do. Bless your people, strengthen them, prosper them this week, open doors that only you can open and close doors that you want to be shut. And we receive and walk in your blessing as we leave here today and enter our mission field wherever we go. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. Come on.